0: Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we've got Brandon Tracy with BTG. Hey, hey. And he's here to share how his team sold 123 properties in 2017 and they're already on pace for almost double in 2018. Yes. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, broker, owner of Stunning Homes Realty, co-founder of the OfferFast app, the one app you need for wholesaling. And I help people become real estate entrepreneurs. If you're excited for today's show, please give me a thumbs up or a wave. And before we get started, uh, I did start this show because I wanna give back to our community. I definitely struggled before and Brandon's gonna share some of the struggles he had as well. And we wanna shortcut that struggle for as many young leaders as possible. I don't charge a dime for this show. I don't make any money doing this. So here's all I ask. Uh, All it costs you to listen to the show is you gotta get, if you get value, please tell a friend, whether tagging them below, uh, sharing this episode right now or Giving them a the best takeaway later on. And that way we can all grow together. And don't forget, this is a live show. So if you've got questions, please post them below and Brandon and I will be happy to answer them for you. Ready to go? I'm ready. All right. So, first question What got you into real estate?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, I'd have to go back all the way to 2004. Um, and I promised you I was going to give you the straight answers here. Normally I'll I dodge this a little bit, but, uh, I had a brain tumor in 2004. Uh, oh, wow. r- yeah, really, really scared me, uh, quite a bit. It was, uh, yeah. you know, it came on really fast. It was, it was, you know, pretty, pretty dangerous situation. Um, and it just kind of flipped me, you know, flipped a switch inside of me. I was like, wow, oh, you really know, my, I was 24 years old, man. So I kind of went from just this young, you know, kid just finding his way through the world. Coming out of ASU for kinesiology, I was doing some athletic and personal training, and mm-hmm. you know, at that age, you just feel bulletproof. Like right. that, that's how you feel at that. Age. You can't imagine, you know, possibility of something being wrong with you. Yeah. Um. So I was I was certainly operating on that wavelength in my head. Like you know, I'm I'm bulletproof, and you know, and and just in a in a almost a blink of an eye, and you know, there I was laying in the emergency surgery room at uh, Barrow Neurological Institute in Phoenix, and you know, hey, you got a ping pong, you know, size golf ball sized tumor wow. uh, in your brain behind your left eye and uh, throughout that whole experience you know I, I just came through the other side like most people do with something that kind of shakes them to their core a little bit and kind of mm-hmm. you know kind of really really pushes your you know the, the fact that you're 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 gonna die someday right like this right. is this is real we, we all do that um, and I came out of that just with like a renewed vigor of what I wanted my life to look like, mm-hmm. um, and what I wanted to be about as a person. And and I don't think I got there right away. You know, you develop as a as a young man. It takes you know you you go through hardships, and you learn from failures, and you do all that stuff. But ultimately, that was where the decision was made um, in a hospital bed at Barrow Neurological Institute. That, you know, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do real estate. My mom had done some real estate when mm-hmm. I, when I was younger. I was familiar with it to a certain degree. Um, and I came out of that, and you know, like most people did, mind you, this was you know, oh three, oh four, oh five, and and I got into investing, uh, buying houses and flipping them. I mean, I bought my first house on whatever whatever you hear from this, don't do this. But I bought my first house in downtown Phoenix on a credit card and fixed it up on credit cards and <laughs> flipped it over and, you know, made some money. I thought, wow, this is super easy, right? Oh, and, you can get rich quick. Yeah, yeah you know, no and, big deal. And, you know, what I, what I didn't realize, what I was too young and arrogant to realize at the time is that it wasn't my skill that was, you know, helping me flip houses or do this. I thought I was, you know, I thought I was doing, doing some good things. I was like, mm-hmm. man, I'm a pretty smart dude. Uh, in reality, it was just the boom. You know, right the the market was absolutely going crazy so i never had a chance to fail during that time because the market was correcting every single you know mistake that i Cover was covering all your mistakes yeah, it covers all all yeah. of your mistakes so you don't ever have a chance to learn and you know when you're when you're that age you do have a tendency to be a bit arrogant and that arrogance can grow um in that environment and i think i think that's exactly what happened to me um, so ultimately, you know, like most people in, in 08, uh, you know, that ended quite tragically, <laughs> yeah, to say the least.
0: So you're in your hospital bed yeah. and you decide, well, now it's time for real estate. I mean, wh- you, you said you were getting a degree in kinesiology? What yes, at, at Arizona state. So how is, so why real estate?
1: Um, You know, I think like most people that come into real estate, that decision was also quite naive, Mm -hmm. you know, because even today we see what Facebook and HGTV does to set (laughs) expectations for people that come into our world. Yeah. Um, So, so I'm not going to lie and say that that I don't think there wasn't a level of naivety that, that, you know, was part of that decision. Uh But regardless, that's where the decision was made. Um, And, you know, and I, and I came into it you know, just going, well, I, I think this is my path towards financial freedom. And like most people, I said, you know, I, I really want control over my own schedule and, and right. you know, I, I want to be my own boss. And I said all the things that other people say, but fast forward to 2009 after the crash, I lost everything. I was sleeping on the floor of a friend of mine's apartment complex, mm-hmm. um, you know, and coming from where I was, you know, really, really humbled me in that moment, it gave me an opportunity to become self, self-aware yeah. Um, to learn about myself and, and who I was uh, as an individual and who I wanted to be as a man. Um, and, and, and I think that, you know, essentially being at rock bottom there was was critical to to being where I'm at today. Yeah. But ultimately, I got a, a job at a place that I really hated. You know, one of those one of those jobs that you have that just sucks the soul right out of mm-hmm. you. Like and you like you just show up every morning and you go I, I, the the most in- exciting thing that could possibly happen in my life is me getting up from this desk right now. <laughs> and walking out and never coming back right put on a planet for that yeah i just wasn't and i knew that i felt it at my core i just just felt it at such a cellular level that i was i didn't belong in that environment that i that i needed to step out i needed an opportunity but i was also at the very lowest point of my personal confidence that i'd ever been at Mm -hmm. so i'm really fighting these two like you know competing ideas but i'll tell you what i uh I was driving down the 101 and I was in traffic from, I was going from Frank Lloyd Wright to the 60 on the 101, bumper to bumper traffic. And listen, I'm just going to be honest. I'm having a conversation with my mother um, in that moment and again confidence is low i'd lost everything the shame that i felt you know at that time you know, losing everything and and losing investments and going through that at the time you didn't realize how many americans were going through it a lot of all confidence. you knew is that you were going through it and it felt horrible yeah i felt so much shame like the amount of shame that was oozing from me just crushed my confidence it, it killed me and i'm driving down the 101 i'm talking to my mother and i still remember this and she and i talk about it to this day i have tears coming down my face and I just tell her, I said, you know, all I want is, is the door to open for me one more time in real estate. Mm-hmm. Just just one small door to open for me. And I'll never look back. I'll get in there, I'll figure things out, I'll be humble about it, and I'll never look back and I'll use that as a catalyst, not only for me to to, to right my wrongs and fix the shame that I felt and, and you know, the foreclosures and the and the you know the people I'd invested with and all of that, yeah. but also like honor myself and that decision that I made in that hospital bed right. about what I wanted to do. Well, what I didn't realize at that time in 2004, when I wanted to make that decision and go into real estate was, okay, I knew what I wanted, but I wasn't the man I needed to be yet mm-hmm. to go ahead and take action on that goal. Um, and luckily through the collapse in 08 and the humbling and the hitting rock bottom and becoming self-aware and learning about yourself and who you are, who you want to be, I think in that moment, I just realized like I, I'm ready. I'm, I'm mentally and emotionally ready to take this seriously and act like a man and take responsibility for, for my actions. And, and sure enough, within a week, and it's no exaggeration, within a week, a guy that I knew Um, That I had done some investments with that I thought felt really poorly of me because Mm -hmm. we had some investments and those fell apart. You know, again, I didn't realize we were all going through it. All all I knew is in that moment I felt so much shame, and I I I was all inside myself on that. Um, And I get a phone call from him, and he goes, "I met somebody um, at a bar last night, (laughs) shocker, right?" (laughs) And he goes, "And I gave her your phone number, um, and I think that you should talk to her about real estate." And um, it turns out that he wrote my name and phone number on a bar napkin and slid it over to a extremely wonderful woman who I absolutely adore and love, Steph Martini. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know Steph?
0: I think she was a team leader for KW. She was. Yeah, yeah. She was
1: a team leader for KW, and, and but she's so much more than that. I yeah. mean, so much more than that as a person, I mean she's as the one an individual. Gave me the book. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Um, but I, I came in to meet with her, um, and, and, you know, the rest is, is kind of history. Yeah. Uh, It was that moment, that defining moment, that conversation with her. And later on, I had another very defining moment conversation with her, but you know how you you talk about really influential people that came into your life at a very specific time. Mm -hmm. Like Steph was that person for me. She was that door, that little crack that I tearfully explained to my mother, like, I just need. I need this Something. opportunity to show up. Well, I
0: think that's amazing, right? Is that you had you had the brain tumor, and then you had the, the crash. And in both instances, it would have been really easy to just fold up shop and give
1: up. Defining fire. moments, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's easy yeah. to
0: give up. But instead, you embrace those two things to bring you to where you are today, right? Yeah. Instead of – because most people would just be like, all right, screw it. You know, this wasn't for me. Whatever. But you took failure, and you – use it to propel you forward. So I think that's powerful, right? It's all matter perspective.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and now with hindsight being being an older, more mature and more responsible individual, you look back and you start to understand and realize the value of failure. Yeah. Like it's one of the most valuable things that we can have, both for personal and professional growth, mm-hmm. right? We all think that we succeed our way to success, but what we really do is we, like the people who are most successful in the world simply failed their way there. Yeah. You know, and you Fell hear faster. it like, it's yeah, e- every guru has whatever version of, you know, flipping the script on failure, Mm -hmm. but the reality of it is, and especially in the new Instagram meme world where we're just seeing, you know, one quote after another, after another, and we're scrolling through quote after quote, after quote, and we like them and we move on. Well, we got to sit for a moment and let that information, that language, what it's telling us resonate at a deeper level. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's what we're talking about here with failure is, you know, how you respond to failure and how you use it is a massively determined, like it it massively affects how well you're going to do in the future because it's a learning experience and and you you get to choose to learn from that, evaluate what you just did, evaluate what you did well, evaluate what you did poorly and then use that to reinvent yourself for the next day.
0: Well, I love what you say there though. You get to choose. And it's all a choice.
1: It's all a choice. Everything that we do is is a choice yeah. and I know that that's so hard for people to hear because life is hard like let's just face it like life is is difficult like yeah. we're, we're in a very interesting capitalism society here it's difficult I get that but it, it's important like it's really important that you understand that it's a choice that you make every single day whether or not you want to take action mm-hmm. whether you want to give in to fears or reluctancies um, whether or not you want to sit at home and, and watch Netflix all day or whether or not you want to get up and change something about your life. Personally so. or professionally, it doesn't matter. It's a
0: choice. So this is really horrible, but with my kids, whenever they complain, life's not fair. It's like, get used to it. What are you going to do about it? Yeah.
1: I mean, you know what? <laughs> I don't think our parents would have taken it that far, right? Cause, but, but the reality of it is, is like, Maybe it doesn't have to be that harsh. We're joking about it right now. But like Uh, if we can set if we can set better expectations for not only our kids, but people who come into our industry, if they have better expectations set for them, then maybe they won't come in or maybe they'll come in and find success or find a different path towards success that is much more valuable to them. And I think it's one of the things we do worst in real estate is set expectations for what our world really looks like.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we all fell for it, right? I mean, we, we all sure thought we were sure gonna did. get on the beach and be drinking Mai Tais all day. Yeah. So if you were to start over today, like what are the first two or three things you would do now starting real estate today versus, you know, for someone brand new?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, there's not too much that I would do differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's out of sheer luck. Um, yeah. Because, you know, regardless of how your path looks, Um, here's the truths about when I got into the industry. I came in um, with Steph, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I was very, very lucky to have someone that was so willing to open her heart and be truly honest with me and and to guide me. And of course, it was my responsibility to take action, but she was there, you know, to push a little bit. And then two, I joined a team. Um, And what some of the best things that came out of that was I understood real estate at a volume level. Like I, under, I understood what it was going to take to sell a lot of real estate, mm-hmm. and, and I understood why that was necessary. Um, I also started to learn the effectiveness of systems and, and processes and, and what that meant to building a business. And I think too often we get really caught up in the idea of, well, we're just going to be a real estate agent. Um, well, there's a there's a big difference between being a, a real estate agent and a good real estate agent, and there's an even bigger difference between being a good real estate agent and being an effective business owner. Right. Well, right. that's the next step. Yeah. And that's I think that's one thing that we just think automatically happens in our industry is, <laughs> oh, I sell a, a lot of real estate, therefore, I'm going to build a team and you know I'm going to go on. It's really and easy. Th- there's really no correlation between being a good real estate agent and being a great business owner so or I had- leader.
0: I had someone's like, oh, yeah, like, what do I need you for? Right. All I have to do is just hire an ISA, get a couple of buyer's agents, a yeah. listing agent. Yeah, Like it's that order. easy. It's all right? like, that it's like do. Do.
1: why don't you just <laughs> slap me in the face because of how painful the you know, building a business really truly is. The risks that are involved. Right. right? I mean, you have to be highly risk tolerant to even start a real estate team if you're really truly going to stick it out. Because yeah. we're talking a five year I mean, we're talking five years to really build. To really pay off. And, and you don't know whether a couple of those years are even going to be profitable or not. Yeah. Right? So there's, oh, yeah. There's no,
0: there's going to be some skinny months for
1: sure. <laughs> there may be a skinny year or two. Yeah. Right? There was for me. You yeah. Know? So, you know, joining that team was an important part of my growth because I started to understand the business at a deeper level rather than just, just showing up and trying to sell real estate. Right. And, of course, you know, I got some guidance there around you know, plugging in and, and being very mindful of advancing myself intellectually within this this business as well, participating in trainings, and really just understanding that, you know, it's not our job to reinvent the wheel in real estate. You know, so many people have come before us and set these, you know, very specific models. There's there's things in place. It's our job to just effectively repeat those things. Yeah, and, and it then,
0: was, um, so I watched that um, Gary Keller, Brad Inman thing. Right? Yeah. There There's that small survey, right? yeah books still relevant today is the mra books irrelevant today yeah that's say 100 it's still relevant. 100% today. why are you reinventing the wheel yeah it still works
1: yeah well, well people want to people want to go back on fear right there, there's a lot of fear out there right yeah. now about the role technology is going to play and how our industry is going to evolve and the truth is our industry is absolutely going to evolve more in the next five years than it probably has in the last 25 years yeah and technology is absolutely the major player in that but this is still a relationship game. And, mm-hmm. and when I, what I say by that is in the real estate world, relationships, You know, we're all often applying that concept to our clients, but we need to apply it to our, our whole industry at this point, our relationships with one another, yeah. our relationships with our staff. You know, like I, one of the things I'm most proud of at BTG Real Estate is, is my relationship with my CEO, Kyle was just an exceptional talent and, and my relationship with my operations manager and some of the top leaders on, on, on our, on our team and the relationships that we've created within that team and how we preach that, how we value it, how we've, how we've kind of interwoven it into the fabric of our culture and how we treat each other matters as much as how we treat our clients. And I think that we would all be, you know, We'd all benefit from the idea of applying that concept to one another, whether it's brokerage to brokerage in the same brokerage model, whether it's a brokerage to a to a competing brokerage. Mm -hmm. But at some point, you got to think like we need to apply those those principles, those concepts, all those things that we preach about our businesses and our clients to each other and to our industry, because I think that unifying that Mm -hmm. is going to like that's going to need to be in place for us to really stay agent centric long into the future. But we got to stop all this other nonsense.
0: All right. right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, talking about when you first started, and you know, you got your place, or you were helped. Someone helped you find a team. So, mm-hmm. uh, next question is: a lot of people always ask, like, you know, how do you find a mentor in this? In this, so do you just tell people just join a team? How do, no. What would, you, um, what would your advice be to them?
1: I think I think just join a team is probably the worst advice you can give to anyone. Or okay. just get a mentor is probably because yeah. here's the th- here's the thing. Um, do we know what a team is anymore in real estate? Like, do we have a do we have a definition of what it what it means to be a team? Because I don't what think that's we a Webster definition. Yeah, because what we have right now is we've got just a bunch of single agents that you know they're creating brands and they're getting caught up in the art of their I business. I think you just need to put group after your name. Yeah, <laughs> that's and that but that's what's happening right yeah. so what, what's happening is we have all these people that just put group or team or there's a bunch of agents and they get together and then they call themselves a team but there's no there's no backbone there's no administrative support there's mm-hmm. not there's nothing there to suggest that that's an actual viable business right right so now what we run into is this dilution of what teams really are mm-hmm. and then within the teams that really are teams the differences are absolutely crazy I think Tom Ferry put on his website uh, recently and I love this and I'm I'm gonna say him so that when I say this I'm not the person that that people are throwing tomatoes at <laughs> okay. but he talks about like the four like the the the, the main four structures of teams mm-hmm. right and and the you know one is the the family team which is kind of the the oldest that's that's the one that's been around the longest but yeah. typically that's a number of family members that all kind of play a role in, in building a team but the problem that he cites and that That other leaders have cited around that is it it can be difficult to pull people into that system because they might you know people outside of the family might not see that as an opportunity to grow within the organization because they're not family right but some of those teams and I have you know I know a couple of them that are just phenomenal yeah right and the second one in there that he talks about is the the king and the servant team and we know lots of these, right? This was a this was a very specific model that was even preached for a long time in our mm-hmm. industry. And that's usually when there's one really charismatic leader at the top. Mm-hmm. But everything that happens in the organization is meant to prop up that leader. It's meant to validate that individual person, right? It's not a very collaborative environment. It's more yeah. of a supportive environment to keep one individual on a pedestal. Listen, that model's worked for a long time. It, it, I'm not saying – I'm not – talking about this as if it's good or bad it just is yeah but that model's been under fire because it, it's it has a high turnover um, and believe me we i mean we looked at this model as is this the direction we want to go and ultimately we settled on no because of the turnover because yeah. we wanted to we wanted to value retention a little bit more we wanted to value helping agents build legitimate businesses mm-hmm. and not make it all about me or make it all about one central figure because we kind of felt like we we were going to be behind the boat on that anyways right right and then he talks about the last one which is the one that's really kind of taking storm right now and that's the collaborative model yeah. right that's where you really Get into collaboration and department heads, and everybody's playing a role, and you're creating synergy within a team, and everybody's moving in the same direction, and everybody wins as a result. Sure, maybe the person at the top makes a little bit less money, but they've got a more sustainable, healthy business that can survive long into the future because there's a lot of people winning and invested in the result. And I think ultimately, like we're starting to see a lot more of that. We're even starting to see you know, really, really talented real estate agents all across our industry partner with each other, Mm -hmm. not because they have to financially, but because they're starting to understand the value of collaboration. And we're starting to think bigger. And we're starting to think of real estate in in more terms of how not only how we provide value to clients, but how we provide value to our agents on our team or or in our brokerage, because it's it's being demanded now.
0: Well, and I think that's a really big thing that you're talking about, because that's it's actually done this way in many of the industries that we admire, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you know, Costco, Nordstroms, right, s- Southwest, yeah, and we're finally seeing it here in real estate. And I think uh, Darren Hardy talks about this with uh, was it Branson. Was this um, Richard Branson? Richard Branson, yeah, Berger. right. And he says that you know he'll take his team side any day of the week, right? Like mm-hmm. you start bashing on his people, great. We don't really want clients like you. Exactly. So if you treat your people right. Don't treat your clients right. Yeah. So I think that's a really, really powerful point. So, yeah. um, and I was just putting here. I, I still remember meeting you at a, a RSTLM event. I don't know. They don't call that anymore. But I want to say yeah. it was like eight, ten years ago I met you.
1: That was a long time
0: ago. And yeah. you were a rising star. You were. Uh, Everyone's like, you gotta know who this this Brandon guy is. It's like, okay, I see that guy over right there. <laughs> but um, I just wanted to put that note in there. It's just interesting to see. You know, they were saying, like, watch out for this guy. Yeah. And here you are today.
1: Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, that was a pretty interesting time for me because like I said, I was, uh, even when I came into the industry, I was at a real low personally from a confidence perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of had to re uh, rediscover myself and my confidence and figure things out. And I was doing some things well in real estate, but I was naive in a, in a lot of areas too. Um, but, you know, even at that time, I don't know that I was really ready to step in and lean into you know, accept your greatness, as they say, you know, yeah. and, and so I wasn't ready to lean into that. And I think a lot of it was because at the time, I just didn't feel like I deserved it. You know, I was still kind of punishing myself. You Interesting. Know? We, we do that to ourselves, right? We, yeah. we, we do that we have a tendency to, you know, really let the human side of us kind of, you know, just take us down some some rabbit holes sometimes. But right. Yeah, I do remember that. And, and that recruits what you're what you're referring to RSTLM was re- recruit, select, train, lead, motivate. Yep. Um, so it really the early stages of me learning what it, what it was like to, to attract talent, to, to train people, to lead people, to motivate people. And I don't think I realized at the time taking that class how relevant all of those things are in building a business right. and how much time it takes to invest in yourself um, to really create a mastery-level understanding of those things. Yeah. And then once you have the understanding of it, even if it is a mastery-level understanding, now you've got to get into action and apply that. And through action and applying what you've learned, you're inevitably going to fail. So then you (laughs) get back into failure, right? So take um, the class again. Yeah, and it was just it's it's so great that our industry has these kind of things to plug into, especially if you're someone who is, you know, going to self-evaluate and who is going to step up from failures and figure new things out. And I mean, there's no better industry to be in with with. We don't have a ceiling if you're willing. No, not at all. You just got to be willing.
0: So I went through one of your classes recently and mm-hmm. it was the, and correct me if I'm just butchering the name, but, uh, eight proven steps for referral success was.
1: Yeah, we've changed, <laughs> we've changed the <laughs> headlines a couple of times. I think now it's eight powerful steps to generating referrals and building a profitable database. Okay. So um, if we can
0: do like a 10 minute version, what would that, or, Yeah, so or whatever is appropriate amount of time for that.
1: Really, I think the most effective way to explain, you know, how this class was developed was one. I did it. Um, this was how I developed my business, and mm-hmm. you know, when I first branched out on my own, and I had to go figure out how to, how to, how you know, how was I going to get business? What was my lever going to be? Yeah. Um, and and I chose referrals and open houses, and that's that. You know, that's really what I wanted to do. So over time, through failure and through evaluation, I started to realize, you know, how I articulated my message was important. Uh, Follow up was extremely, extremely important Um, and being able to do all of it in a systematic way so that it was scalable for me to manage a lot of relationships at one time um, that I started to realize how important those things were. So through that experience and through applying what I was doing, what I was learning, I started to systematize what I was doing so that I so that it would be easier for me to do. In the future, I wanted yeah. to be more effective and be able to do more with less. Right. Um, so ultimately, what what we really settled on was this really amazing kind of eight step process. And really, what we're trying to do is every every real estate agent when they come into the industry, you notice mm-hmm. this, right? They post on Facebook or social media. I got my I got my real estate license, right? And you know, everybody's posting gifts and making it rain, and it's just like you know, <laughs> the expectation is just so out of control. You know, yeah. it's like you almost feel bad for them. Um, but the idea there is you, 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 post on Facebook and you have all this support and you have, it, it's really false support, right. right? Because all these people are telling you congratulations. Oh, you're going to do great. Oh, you're such a people person, mm-hmm. you know, fill in the blank. There's a million of them. Yeah. But in reality, what we haven't done and what, what those people haven't done and what I hadn't done early in my career was take all of those people that were willing to say, congratulations, who liked me. Mm-hmm. Maybe they even loved me, Yeah. but what they didn't do was trust me as a professional. Mm -hmm. So what we've got to do is we've got to take relationships and move them from like and love to trust and confidence. And that's really what the whole 8 Steps class is about. The whole first hour of the 8 Steps class is all mindset. It's all theory about why. Why are we doing this? Why is it effective? And why do we use the language that we use? Yeah. Right. Because everything that we do through there is not about... It, it, it can be somewhat contradictory to what we're being taught mm-hmm. out there, in my opinion, which is very old school, hard sales techniques. Yeah. But what we really want to do with our sphere of influence with the people that matter most to us in our lives is we want the opportunity to earn their trust and confidence. And if we can start there with just requesting requesting that you give me the opportunity to earn your trust and confidence and listen Steve I know 100% that that there's no obligation for you to use me I realize and I'm going to have to earn that mm-hmm. um, once you get into that mindset and it's you start humbly. yeah you you got to get to people first because listen the majority of people don't even think they can contact us or talk to us until they're ready to buy or sell but where we're most effective is helping in the due diligence and preparation point of the process. Mm-hmm. As a result of doing that part really well, the sales process <clears throat> excuse me has a tendency to be exponentially easier yeah. as a result. So that's really what the whole thing is about is move people from like and love to trust and confidence in a very systematic and professional way. because. You know, like when people talk about scripts, right? And mm-hmm. in that class, we give out all of our scripts. Yeah. And we live role-played the scripts when, when you were there. And I, <laughs> and I told you why we were using the language that we were using, right. right? We went through that. And inevitably in that class, everybody, you know, you know, talks about objections that they have or reluctancies or fears. And mm-hmm. one of the ones that we get all the time is, well, the script doesn't sound like me. Yeah. And it's, yeah, of course, the script doesn't sound like you, right? The script is meant to sound like a professional person, with years of experience that's humble and wanting to earn trust and confidence. Right. So we do this to ourselves all the time. We say the script doesn't sound like me. Scripts aren't supposed to sound like you. They're supposed to sound like the version of you that's a professional. That's what <laughs> that's what's really trying, yeah. you know, that so it, you know when you can inspire people and get them really kind of anchored about why the script is a certain way, mm-hmm. then they're a lot more uh, they're, they're a lot more likely to use it they're a lot more likely to stick to it, Mm -hmm. and then they're a lot more likely to get the results from it. Because we talk about scripts all the time, and people say, well, can I change it? Of course you can change it, you know? But the thing about changing scripts is when you change them, you, you take out the most important part of the script because it's the part that makes you feel most uncomfortable. Right. Right. And when you should be thinking under the mindset is I'm going to role play this until it's just ingrained in me. And I'm so comfortable. I can say it in any situation. A hundred percent internalized. Yeah.
0: You don't have to think about it. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, I, I love that. And we talk about theory and we go through all the eight steps and, and how we kind of move those people in the relationship along. We started at like and love. And by the end of the eight steps, hopefully we've we're well along our journey to earning trust and confidence as a professional.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, and this is what do you say? Eighty percent, ninety percent of the business that you've done for this year, yeah, kind of I, last year. You know, last year
1: was about eighty-six percent, and I think we're hovering right around eighty percent repeat and referral client this year. Okay, yeah.
0: so if someone wanted to do like eighty percent of like let's say like two hundred transactions, it'd be, probably be worth going to this class. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, right. I built my entire business off of it.
0: So if someone wanted to see this class, how would they?
1: Um, you know. <laughs> we should have probably prepared for that. Yeah. I just, you, you know, I just got back from Montana. I taught the class class in Montana. For those of you who don't know, I'm a I'm a native Montana, I'm born and raised, although I've been in Arizona for 20 years, I have had an awesome opportunity to go up there and spend mm-hmm. some time with my family and work with some brokerages up there and do some teaching. So now that we're back, I've been, only been back for a few days now, and we're going to be working to get uh, at least one or two on the books for September and yeah. again, one or two on the books for um, October. So if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, I will put out our next dates as soon as we have
0: them. All right, so guys, make sure you follow Brandon on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, so Max has an interesting question. Do you think then the solopreneur is dead?
1: Wow, man, I've been asked that question like three times in the last two months. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, I wouldn't say that my answer is gonna be the most educated answer. And it's probably going to be a bit of ride the fence answer but i think that it is possible Um, it is possible that as we continue to go through the next three five ten years in real estate that the collaborative environment is going to overwhelm the solo agent um, in what teams and collaborative groups of people can accomplish both for their clients and for their staff Um, so I think there's always, always going to be a place for a great solo agent that maintains awesome relationships. That person will always exist. Yeah. Um, but I think that you're going to have to be really, really great. And you're going to have to maybe bridge yourself from just being fully solo to at least leveraging yourself in areas that can benefit your clients through, you know, whatever marketing or technology or communication that is needed. Yeah. I think the hardest part about being a solo agent going forward into the future is, we, we taught, you know, I'm going to say this word and everybody's going to panic and there's no reason to panic. But we, we likely will face downward pressure on commissions in a, mm-hmm. at a much more exponential rate over the coming years. And as that happens, can the solo agent adapt and sell enough volume to overcome that? Um, whereas collaborative groups and teams will be able to pool resources to handle that, you know, together where it affects yeah. one person on the team less than it would a solo agent. So that's my, like again really uneducated take opinion on it take it for what it I is wouldn't but. Say uneducated
0: <laughs> <laughs> well uh probably got some ed- probably put some thought into it but you know i'm with you i don't i don't i don't see how in three years a solo guy can do it by himself but just the crm costs the um lead gen if you're going to do lead gen uh the follow-up the process the procedures everything yeah i just don't see how one person could do it by themselves well Right. And yeah, Can I do it? Yes. Can you,
1: can you do it? Yes. Can you do it well? Maybe. And is doing it well going to be enough to stay in business in the future? Likely
0: not. Right. And have to I be think, exceptional. Uh, I was uh, at the High Performance Forum that I went to for Darren Hardy. He was like, look, what used to work back in the day, if you're average, you're dead. Yeah. Right? If you're average yeah. now, you're in real trouble. Yeah. If you're good, like you're getting by. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to thrive, you got to be excellent.
1: Yeah, you do. Yeah. I don't know... I'm so biased. I'm just gonna say it. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't wanna be solo in this environment. Yeah. But here's the thing, it's like we, we don't do a good enough job of, of giving people the resources to understand what certain teams provide and what they don't because we're all competing with each other for, for talent. That's true. And and I think that we're doing the newer agents a little bit of a disservice by not being a little bit more transparent about what teams do provide mm-hmm. and how different each of them are and in, in what they provide to the agents but ultimately if you get if you get a, a new agent um, in, a, in a great team that helps develop them, train them monitor them, help them, you know, develop standards and goals and help them with execution and then you fully leverage them with listing management, and marketing, and transaction coordination and post close and yada yada all down the line. Um, that's a phenomenal environment for a, a new and budding real estate agent yeah. to be in because it or accelerates experience agent. Oh my goodness, it accelerates their growth so much. And I'm in the way that real estate is moving now, you need to accelerate your growth quickly. Like you, you need to do that. Now we're just talking about like developmental agents, right, or new agents. Now you move to agents that are doing a decent book of business. Well, we know anyone who runs a team knows whether they like to admit it how thin the margins can get. Mm-hmm. They can get sideways on you really quick. Oh, Just yeah. because you have a team doesn't even mean you're profitable. You might be losing money, mm-hmm. but on Facebook you look like you're balling, <laughs> right? But w- again, we don't we're not transparent enough to let people in to know that like hey, just having a team doesn't mean you've made it. You know, no. attention does not equal success. We talked right. about this earlier. Yeah. But we've got agents coming on our team now that, you know, 8, 9, 10, 12 million in production. And what they're doing is they're coming to plug into everything that we worked on in 2017. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we did 123 units in 2017. And I'm going to say this and it's going to sound crazy. We weren't focused on production last year at all we were focused on infrastructure. Yeah. We had a plan and that plan was not to keep pace and be relevant with units and show off and you know use units as the way to like, you know pump us up. We were building infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And as a result of building infrastructure now we're like we're attracting our tribe at a level that we've never attracted before because people want to plug into the leverage that we have. And I love working with mid range, really talented agents in that regard because they, they get it. They know what operating expenses do Mm -hmm. to their business. And if you can plug into a very systematic, highly leveraged business with, with extremely amazing and talented administrative staff members on a team with no turnover, with really healthy culture and all of those things they're actually making more money right right and and i'm not pumping us or recruiting to us but i'm saying there, there's collaborative teams like that all over yeah. right you just can't, it's just so hard to yeah. find them Yeah. Well, how do you it's so what's hard the to the find them. For but that's a that's an ideal situation where a lot of these teams are filling the gap between brokerage and agent and what i mean by brokerage is that the brokerages have it tough like you know this mm-hmm. because you've got to be soft right? You're too hard on people and your agent count dwindles, yeah. right? The great thing about being on a de- a team and a and a and especially a high, highly accountable team mm-hmm. is you have standards, you have accountability, but then you train to those standards, right. right? You hire to those standards. The expectations are properly set when you come into the business. You yeah. get to hold the entire thing accountable at a level that brokerages really just can't do because they Are. have to put their arm around everybody and say, you know, rah, rah, come on in. And they provide the resources and the training. But ultimately, you're, you're highly dependent on that individual plugging in and taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And most of us just aren't built that way. We need accountability. That's yeah. why we have coaches, right? That's right. why That's why some of us pay thousands of dollars a month for a coach. And then someone asks why are you doing that you seem to be successful it's because i understand the value of accountability and i understand the value of knowledge and mentorship and i wouldn't be
0: successful without the coach
1: oh no no chance
0: yeah absolutely no chance uh okay so speaking of that who do you personally coach with
1: Um, I've, I've bounced around. I've done maps coaching, um, through Keller Williams. Um, I think one of my favorite coaches from, from years ago, Glenn Neely from Busy Blondes Real Estate out of Los Angeles made a big impact on me early on in my career. Busy Blondes. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. Um, Glenn's a maps coach. He's, he's a extremely, extremely successful individual. He and his wife, Ray Wayne are, are, are just very, very talented, you know, come from contribution givers to the real estate community and, and, you know, you just got to love them. But uh, over the last year, I've been coaching with Michael Mayer, who most people know of as uh, you know New York Times bestselling author of *The Seven Levels of Communication*. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been coaching with him as well as uh, participating in his uh, Master Series Certified Referral Coaching Program. Yeah. Um, and that's been really fun because it's gotten me a little bit out of just being in real estate coaching and being a little bit more in business speaking coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fun to add different elements to that and increase my skill sets in areas that maybe I've avoided whether, uh, purposely or not. Um, but getting me out of my comfort zone and, and making me a, you know, a better professional as a result.
0: What is business speaking coaching?
1: Well, you know, you, there's, there are strategies to, to teaching and speaking, Mm -hmm. right? And I think one of the things that Michael said to me about six or eight months ago when I was, when I was really kind of working with him on being an effective trainer and speaker was it, it, it doesn't matter so much about what you have to say. It matters what they learn, right? Yeah, And, and what when they you, receive. Yeah, w- w- what do they take away? Like yeah. you can get out there and puff your chest and get you know high fives and standing ovations, but are they taking anything away? Mm-hmm. Because if they're not, then what was that really about? It was yeah, probably was about point? your ego, yeah. right? It was about you being seen and you being held up on a pedestal. And I'm really uncomfortable with that in the first place. Um, which is why you know I, you don't see my name and face all over everything that, that we do because you know, the truth is partially I'm I'm uncomfortable with that that spotlight. Yeah. But once I started to realize that I could have a positive influence on people and that I could that I could teach in a in a in a more humble an organic way, and then I started to learn the techniques to make sure that when I did teach, it wasn't all about me and it was about what they could learn and what they could take away. That really just inspired me to to lean into it more and, and be okay with me being uncomfortable in front of crowds and in front of lots of people. And I started to kind of let some of those butterflies and that nervousness go away when I yeah. finally figured out that this isn't about me. This is about, this is about you helping other
0: people. Yeah, so are you, Re- currently then so you're you're affiliated with seven levels yeah okay. yeah
1: so I'm a am a master series certified referral coach through 7l and if you're interested in that hit me up on Facebook it's a really awesome program you're not only going to learn all of the just incredible referral techniques and stuff that Michael Mare has laid out in the seven levels of communication book and through his other teachings and accelerate and catalyst which are coaching programs mm-hmm. within that Um, but you're also gonna learn how to be a better speaker, even if you don't have aspirations to be a speaker. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just like Toastmasters would do, just gaining confidence and being able to be your most authentic self in front of other people, there's massive value in that. And what it really is is self-awareness and personal growth, right?
0: So, have you been speaking then? I have. Yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I I do the teaching and and that's kind of my primary role is just to go around and and teach the eight Mm -hmm. steps class. And I've been doing a mindset course as well that is kind of higher level stuff about self-leadership and different things to challenge kind of some status quos in here. And I think I'm being a little more vocal now than I ever was before about some things that in real estate that just aren't, They just don't sit well with me. And I think that if we articulate them in a way where it's solution-based versus Mm -hmm. just complaining, I think maybe we can make an impact and make some changes. So I'm going to lean into that a little bit more now, you know, especially, you know, towards the end of 18 and going into 19 as more of a primary objective for myself.
0: Yeah, very cool. And I think that, you know, you and I have talked about some of the challenges right now facing our industry. Yeah. So I think it's great, right, if you can lead some of those changes. Yeah. Uh, So what does your team look like today?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, We've... (laughs) <laughs> so we've got our core, and uh, I think we talked about we sold 123 units in 2017 while focusing on infrastructure, and that really worked for us because now we've sold more units this year already than we did all of last year. Yeah. So I figure this year we'll figure in somewhere between 220 and 250, depending on how some of our new talent really blossoms, at, at you know, especially as they get towards the end of their 90-day training. And we really, we really don't just put people on our team. Right. I mean, I think there was two months ago, we had 10 people, 10 candidates to put on our team, and we ended up not hiring a single one. Oh, wow. Um, And it wasn't that they were they were bad people or they didn't have uh, what we were looking for. Ultimately, like we focus a lot on the items that we think are going to fit well with our culture you know, people that are gonna fit well with our culture. And we don't. We try not to add too too many people at one time because you add a lot of people into a culture, they have a tendency to immediately change the culture. Mm-hmm. And what we wanna do is, culture is one of our biggest strengths at BTG Real Estate, so we want to absorb people into our culture and how healthy it is, the camaraderie, the support, every level of it. We wanna protect that first and foremost. Yeah. So we won't bend away from that just to throw 10 people in the room. We may solve you know a unit problem or a financial problem by doing that in the short term Mm -hmm. but we're corroding the business as it goes forward so we really focus more on organic growth and attracting people to our tribe that 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 our message resonates with Mm -hmm. a little bit more so we've got that um, going where we are launching our our first I guess full legitimate expansion in Missoula Montana uh, this next month we're super excited about that so it wasn't official this whole time Well, it's kind of been unofficial, but uh, now we have our, we have our people, um, we have our infrastructure, we have our talent in place. Um, We we're slow, you know, we, we go slow to go fast. Um, We we prepare so that when we get into a situation, we do, we do it the right way. Uh, We don't want people having doubts when they partner with us. We want them to come into it and go, this is exactly what I expected. This is phenomenal.
0: Very cool. Yeah,
1: so we're really excited about that, and you and I were talking about too. We've got kind of a business partnership in in Tamarindo, Costa Rica, as yeah, well. Some international <clears> aspirations. We we do, yeah. So we're we're branching out, and I just love the leverage that we've created at BTG Real Estate allows me to focus on this big picture stuff now. Mm-hmm. And now that I can fully focus on that, um, it's been a lot of fun. We're going to see exponential growth as a result of that, and I've just got. I've got so much love and respect for the people that work at BTG Real Estate alongside and with me and their ability to grow their departments independently of me having to look over their shoulders. Yeah. These are these are such talented, well-rounded people and it it at this point, it's my job to make sure that they never have to leave my organization to find their next opportunity. So now I've got to go out and create bigger opportunities so that I don't lose these just amazing people that have helped us all get to this point.
0: Right. So that's amazing. Uh, so one of the struggles that I'm having, and you know, I think, you're concerned about. But you know, we were talking about an organization that we're all familiar with, that's doing really well in Texas, but culture didn't necessarily permeate throughout the entire country. Mm -hmm. How do you make sure your culture stays where you're not at? So for example, you know, Brandon's in Tempe, how is Montana gonna have the same culture as Tempe? And then likewise, how is Costa Rica gonna have the same culture as the U.S.?
1: Those, yeah, and those are viable questions that keep me up at night. Yeah. I mean, they they literally do. They they keep me up at night. But ultimately, I think that it comes down to a couple of key elements that I'm gonna go ahead and ride with and see where it takes me. Um, expansion is it, it looks a lot of different ways to a lot of different people, mm-hmm. and there's not one particular business model in expansion that that is going to take over all others right yeah you got a lot of people that are just kind of going out to different market centers and they're plucking somebody from the bullpen and they're saying hey you know join my team and whatever city and you know they're they're influencers so you know these people are kind of like oh a little bit starry-eyed and yeah. you you see that a lot and listen it's not it's I'm not saying that's a bad thing I mean it's a business model and it works and it does help people um, but ultimately what you're doing is you, you what, what are you doing to absorb that culture right and some of these guys are doing a phenomenal job with it through you know video and through you know they're they're creating a whole online community with their teams and stuff mm-hmm. and brokerages are trying to do that I think there's some more challenges there but what we're really focused on doing is we're we're not trying to we're not actually trying to expand people keep showing up in our world right now. And they're and they're just such phenomenal people. And they're yeah. they they're, they they fit our culture and our moral standards and everything else that comes along with our business. And we start to collaborate together. And ultimately, Montana, it, we want to repeat exactly what we do here up there. We don't want to just grab a person up there and then plug not. them into our hub here. Right. We want to repeat the value of what we bring to the table here, not only to the people that decide to work with us, but also to their brokerage and be able to go and teach and coach and bring different people, you know, cross cross-reference some of that value between the yeah. brokerages. So for us, it's about more than just expanding. It's about being a valuable piece and an asset to the brokerage and and making a difference both right. in the in the clients lives and in the, in the people that decide to work with us and and otherwise but it looks different for us because i i don't think my aspirations are to expand all over the country they're yeah. just not you know i want to have two or three or four of my locations that i can really plug into and be involved in yeah and you know that's that's where it's at and then we'll see who on my team or who in my organizational or world steps up and wants to take it a little bit further
0: yeah well good for you for me you know for having that that courage to take that step because like me personally i got people like why don't you open an office in gilbert mm-hmm. why don't you open in, Tim, uh, in in tucson i got people saying hey why don't you open in texas yeah and for me i was like i don't know if my culture or leadership is strong enough today to lead that and yeah, that's and- that's my biggest and when here. you say
1: yes to something like that, mm-hmm. you have to evaluate what did I just say no to everywhere else in my life, right? And what will the impact of that be on my business and my relationships here, mm-hmm. right? And and you know Gary said this uh, a number of years ago, like you've got to you've your home base has just got to be so strong. Every crack, every hole needs to be filled. You need to be really, really solid at home before you step out and you and you do that. And I think it's really difficult to get. To yeah. that point. It takes mm-hmm. time, and most yeah. people aren't patient enough. They, they're they so concerned with keeping up with the Joneses that right. they cut all these corners in their business. And culture use, usually is one of the biggest corners cut so that they can go be relevant. Whether yeah. it is expansion the new hot thing, let's make sure I'm relevant. Is mm-hmm. it, whatever else is the new hot thing, let's make sure that I'm relevant, Yeah, right? But, you know, it's really hard to build culture with high turnover. So you've got to balance that stuff i know
0: that's that's my great fear yeah
1: and we we just figure if we focus on retention um and the right retention then you know things will work out for us well
0: okay uh how many agents do you have your team right now
1: Mm, let's see i think we have at this point we have 13 um agents we have five what we call leverage series agents and then we have another seven now that are in training and development um, we really try to train our agents to, one, to understand and build a book of business, a sustainable book of business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we want to give them opportunities within our organization to not, you know, once they are capable of doing things that we no longer have to train them to do, that they have opportunities to to earn more money. Yeah. Um, we got to give them a path to go to, right? And, mm-hmm. and we find it our responsibility to give them a path to get higher commissions while still holding on to their massive amount of leverage that we provide. Um, While at the same time, as a business, we've got to balance that by, you know, remaining diligent on training and providing value to those agents in ways that we can, you know, make money into. So everything that we do is based around creating win-wins for the client, our agents, and our business, and being wholeheartedly transparent about it so that everybody sees it, understands it, and completely buys into the mission of it.
0: Yeah. Um, What's a leverage series agent, and what's...
1: So that's our language within our team. So essentially, a leverage series agent um, with us is is someone who doesn't necessarily need to go through training. Maybe they already have a book of business. They're mm-hmm. doing six to twelve million or fifteen or eighteen million a year. They're tired of trying to hire and train staff, and you know they're they're tired of having to fire people and tired yeah. of having people quit, and they're starting to realize how difficult it really is to build a business. Yeah. And it is it is unbelievably difficult to build this business and, and sustain that that growth. And if you're still in production trying to do that, trying to build a team and you're you're not just wholeheartedly focused on it, you have all the time in the world to commit to it, it's really, really hard. Mm-hmm. So when they start to figure out like, oh my gosh, I can plug into a situation like this that doesn't that doesn't take me out of the spotlight, that keeps me front and center to my people, and I can get all of this leverage that I really, really, truly need. And that'd take us two hours to go through like we've we've built out an administrative staff that is wholeheartedly built to create raving fans and leverage our agents into future referrals and repeat business. Everything we do inside is about making sure that happens for our agents.
0: That's awesome. I kind of want to start working for you. (laughs) Um, Okay. So then is it fair to assume that you don't have any ISAs then?
1: Um, We have a version of it. So we have a director of lead generation who is, that's how we refer to her inside of our organization. Of course, you wouldn't say that to the clients. It's client care coordinator, right? Um, but either way that you shake it, we decided that, we took what Gary Keller had to say years ago to heart when he said, fill every crack and hole in your business first. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really evaluated where agents are weak. Um, and listen, this isn't a, like, we, we know, I know I was weak at this. All of our agents know they were weak at it before that they came in. But are you responding to every lead inside of two minutes? Are you answering every single phone call? Mm-hmm. And if that was all that happened, how much more business that would you do yeah. and listen most of the time it's not about whether or not they want to most people will say i want to mm-hmm. but life gets in the way right stress right. gets in the way anxiety gets in the way we've got a deal blowing up and everything becomes just about that that everything phone stops. call that phone call comes in and that's a person calling that represents you know a large portion of commission and you're so stressed you don't pick it up mm-hmm. when you fill those cracks and holes for agents and you know that's how we kind of do it inside of our organization our director of lead generation can understand when that phone call comes in, they can see right away which of our agents listing that is. Mm -hmm. She's extremely well versed at delivering value, um, helping the person understand our value and how we can help them. Um, and the fact that she's there to answer the phone all the time, get back to leads very, very quickly. Um, she's converting at like 18 percent right now on in our Internet leads, which wow. I'm, I'm waiting to see the anomaly that's going on there. That's nah. like, what is what has happened? Did we have we stumbled onto something? I don't nah. know. But ultimately, I think it's just that we always come from contribution in the way that we sell and mm-hmm. the way the way that we present our value as a business. We don't hard close. We don't do that. We ask great questions um we come from that place of contribution really articulate our value proposition in a way that disarms them and gives them an opportunity to step into our world a little bit and just learn a little bit more and as a result of us doing that we're seeing really really phenomenal results um so that that's is impressive that's really what our isa version is is yeah. just inbound. fill every crack and hole in inbound lead generation that there is because we do a lot of business i mean we're going to be somewhere in that 220 range this year there's plenty coming in and if all we did was make sure we got all of that then we're in really good shape too often we start looking for an external thing to fix our problems before Mm -hmm. fixing the internal thing yeah and and when we really committed to that it was like we're we're so happy we did
0: well that's a huge takeaway for me so that's I'm gonna have to hire someone (laughs) for that that's awesome yeah Uh, and then
1: it's about the right person right I mean, Morris. that person, our, our, our gal, Shantae Kirkendall has like, she's just blown all of us away. Like yeah. when you talk about hiring talent and how that one person can make it really, really, um, it can have a huge impact on your business. Mm-hmm. Like hiring is that important. Yeah, it, it really is because that one person can make a huge difference. The right. right person.
0: Yeah. Uh, what is your biggest struggle right now?
1: Um, <laughs> you know, my, my biggest struggle struggle is in delegation. I think that I, I sometimes feel guilty for giving my people um, our next project, right? And this is a self problem. It's not a them problem because they laugh at me when I finally tell them, like, I've been kind of holding this back and I wasn't sure how you were going (laughs) to feel about it, right? And then I get the slap across the head, like, what are you talking about? I can do this in 24 hours, right? Sometimes I got to realize that what's difficult for me and my behavioral style, which is typically details and and research and that kind of stuff. What what is your disc profile? I'm a high D, high I, 99 D, 88 I. So
0: it's like a. So you're trying to handle details? Yeah. yeah, I don't know why I even try,
1: right? Like, that's. (laughs) some point you got to be self-aware enough to know. Um, but you know, it's, it's something that I struggle with and I'm coming out of it right now. And as I come out of it and lean into my people more and give them their opportunity to shine and do what it is that they do so great. I realize that I, I just need to take the wheel and let them do what they do. Yeah. And it's not that I don't have all the confidence in the world in them. It's my own you know it's my own stuff it's my own hang-ups you know yeah. and and i still have those and i think we have them until the end of time we're always trying to overcome something right you know in inside of ourselves we're always trying to get over something and and i hope that never ends because the challenge of that is is one heck you know it's a heck of a cool thing to be a part of oh so, yeah, yeah for
0: sure and i still, my struggle delegation it's just getting out of my head cuz there's yeah right it's like yeah. oh we should do this i like, I'll, I'll have it. i'm driving yeah. you know to my meeting is like, oh we should start doing this and then you completely forget about it and, and it
1: sounds so complicated in your head Yeah. and then you give it to them and they simplify it in 3 seconds you're right. like oh i feel really stupid for yeah. like making this so complicated <laughs> right but that's the beauty of hap- that's the beauty of collaboration here we right. are back right is mm-hmm. like being a great leader means being a great collaborator and yeah. a great communicator Right, and when when you when you lean into that, and I'm still creating a mastery level understanding of that myself. Like, really, what it means to be, have a mastery level understanding of of culture, collaboration, and communication, and how the delegation process flows through all of that stuff. How you truly utilize other people's strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still leaning into that as a leader as well. And every time I do, it is amazing the results.
0: So what I'm learning right now. So I'm also going through Strategic Coach. That's mm-hmm. a coaching program I'm going through at the moment, and what they say. And I'm trying to wait a minute, it.
1: who's they? The do you know the rule of they? I mean, anytime you they. say they say you have to cite three specific people that say it? Right, can you so do that? Dan Sullivan, <laughs> there we go. The head coach Two. Stephanie
0: song. All right. She's the quarterly coach and, three. and Adrian Duffy the one I see when Nailed I go. It.
1: you guys yeah. can use that out there. Anyone okay. that says they say make them cite three individual people. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just an opinion right? Right?
0: Yeah. Uh, so what they say is that you got to write down the ultimate deliverable. Mm-hmm. Here's some ideas that I have on it, but this is the ultimate deliverable, and you give it to them.
1: Let them create the them the path. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: So that's something I'm working on myself. Why do, do you th- Why
1: do you think it is that we do that as leaders? Why do Why do you think we're so reluctant to to get in there and and do that? We're holding ourselves back most of the time
0: because we think we're amazing. We, we do. <laughs> that's we our do. Own we. Problem. And that's where
1: I was going with this. We get caught up in the fact that we think that you know, sometimes it's about ego in the sense that we think we're the only ones that could Mm -hmm. solve a problem. But also sometimes it's just about, it's something completely different in the the sense that we're either scared or we're, you know, we're, or we're, we're going to be embarrassed or, or feel like we're not qualified to lead our people Mm -hmm. if they solve a problem for us. Hmm. And that's, that's dangerous, right? That's why they're there. That's, That's why they're there to be a part of the organization, to solve problems, to create a hive mind mentality when it comes to growth and problem solving. Yeah. Right? And we got to get out of our own way most of the time. We have to.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, what is your superpower?
1: Oh, man, I've, I really don't know. Um, I think that a skill that I've developed purposely because I wanted to be a better person um, was empathy. I wanted to understand people in the way that they think mm-hmm. and the way that they respond and all the psychological nonsense that we deal with in the world and with our upbringings. I, I, I really put a lot of effort into philosophy and psychology. One, to understand myself, mm-hmm. not only you know who I am, but again, who I want to be. Um, But throughout that process, I realized that part of understanding yourself is understanding that you're part of something so much bigger. And all of those individual pieces that are in that bigger picture are as complex or more complex as you. And the better you can understand them, the better you can help them and the better you can collaborate with them. And and it all just starts to fall into place. So um, I wouldn't say it's a superpower, but I would say it could be. Yeah. You know, the, the more I, the more I hone this part of myself, um, yeah, I could see it being that way.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I think the combination of the empathy and then the, the, um, self awareness, I think it's yeah hugely powerful because you can't connect with other people if you can't really yeah, understand.
1: Yeah. And you, you know, when you're in front of somebody that hasn't gotten there, right? Yeah. And you can feel it coming off of them. You know that whether it's, whether it's the self awareness or the empathy or just, yeah. you know, when you're in front of somebody and. They haven't broke out of the shell of their ego yet. Mm-hmm. There's, and I don't mean ego in a bad way. I mean, ego is just, it, it's a, it's a thing that we lead with right. and boy, you can notice it right away when you start challenging yourself, yeah. you start to see it in others. And
0: well, another thing too, is that, uh, the, the message is people want to feel understood and loved yeah. and if you don't have empathy, <laughs> y-
1: you can't possibly understand. Yeah. Yeah. You okay. can say that you do, and you can nod your head and shake, right. and do all the you yeah. know all the stuff. General, wait for your objection handling. Yeah, wait I for understand. your turn to talk. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know. yeah. But you're you're exactly right, man. Exactly right.
0: All right, so we'll leave this one last question, uh, unless someone else wants to ask. But uh, what is the greatest lesson you can impart right now? We've gone through some great, amazing stuff today. What is the greatest lesson that you have learned that you'd want to impart on today's young entrepreneurs?
1: Just one. Um, I think that for for a young entrepreneur, I think the idea of coming out of the gates and thinking that you can do it all on your own is extremely, extremely dangerous. Yeah, um, I don't think enough people that come into our industry value uh, leadership and mentorship and being around people that can show you the ropes. Like we, we have opportunities to make a lot of money, a lot of impact in this business, mm-hmm. um, a lot like other other industries in our world. And, you know, we always use the doctor analysis or the lawyer analysis in real estate. And we say, well, if you were a doctor, would you go to Starbucks and meet your client for a consultation? No, you know, we go through all this kind of like boring language, but the truth of it is like, there's not many of us that are great. I'm sorry, like, and most of us are still striving to be that way, but there's mediocrity rampant inside of our industry. And I'm gonna bring it right back to choice. It's a choice that you can make you can choose to go get yourself in an environment and become truly professional, truly valuable to your clients. Or you can choose To just want to be relevant on social media or be popular or have the attention of a producer. But it's all that choice. And I think that if you can come into this industry and humble yourself and not get caught up with having to have the sexiest Facebook logo or business logo and all the nonsense and getting caught up in the art, humble yourself, get in there, learn how this industry really works Mm and you're going to be exponentially further along than your peers that you started with, or even the people who have been in the industry for for years. Right. Because you and I talked about this over over lunch of, of what, six or seven weeks ago. There's so many purposeful distractions in our industry that are meant to extract little bits of money from agents or or distract them, and they get caught up in the idea that education is somehow work, Mm We all know education without implementation is just entertainment. Yeah. So you can't just run around to all these classes and say that you're working. Eventually, you're going to have to learn what work really looks like in this industry. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have to take action on it. And it's not going to feel great. There's no, going to be not. fear and reluctancies and there's going to be rejection. Rejection is such a huge part of what we do. And you're going to have to not only grow as, as a professional, but you're going to have to grow emotionally and how you handle those things. And if you do if you're willing and you do that coming out the other side of that what we're capable of accomplishing in this industry is truly great
0: right so. limitless limitless awesome all right so uh what is the best way for someone to get a hold of you i know you mentioned a couple of things but you want to reiterate
1: yeah i mean obviously i'm i'm getting better at facebook messenger now um i check it at least every few days uh (laughs) i'm not a fan of it i just like text messages like why don't we just do that yeah um but yeah i mean you can always reach me on my cell phone which is 602-826-0213 my email address is brandon.tracy t-r-a-c-y at b-t-g com.
0: awesome and we got potentially two of their eight uh, steps class for, uh, for referrals. Yeah, we'll, c-
1: we'll certainly have two in September and two
0: in October, no doubt. Awesome, yeah. awesome. All right, and guys, again, if you like the show, please share this episode right now. And uh, also, I want to uh, implore you guys to reach out to me. If you guys have any struggles, I mean, I wanna help, right? So reach out to me, you can message me, and I'll respond to you. And then uh, please do join me next week. We're gonna have Tyler Hickson with Open Door. So that's gonna be a really fun one. There's gonna be some really angry questions on that one. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Few more on that one. (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot, guys. And thank Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Great episode.